Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. All right, excellent. Shabbat shalom, everyone. All of you guys are here today. And those online joining us, thanks for being part of Living Messiah. Um, and as you guys know, livingmessiah.com is our website. You'll find a donate button there. And it's always nice a thumbs up if you are pleased. That'd be wonderful. So um, let me open in prayer, and then we can get right into the study, okay? Father, Yahweh, great and mighty you are. There is none like you, Father. You are unique. Your words are true. Father, you're faithful in all that you say, and you make it come to pass. Father, we thank you for those awesome qualities that you have. Father, we thank you, too, for the love that we find in your Son, who laid his life down and has taken it back up again, and Father, bringing us back to you in your ways, and Father, the promises, the precious promises that we have that come from you. Father, we thank you, and we come today to grow closer to you and to one another. Help us to understand your words and be empowered by your Spirit to to overcome all things that come before us, because you are Elohim, and again, there is none like you, Father. Amen. So I'm glad all of you guys are here. And as you know, comments and questions, it's going to be maybe interesting today. Um, uh, but as you know, let's try to keep on the text that we're at um, and not get ahead so we all can learn together. And the, uh, the mic again, raise your hand. It'll find its way to you. We have one on each side. Um, and remember to talk real clearly into it, get it close to your mouth, okay? Uh, other than that, I think that we're good to go. So as far as review last week, last week we left off with the understanding, okay, I'll remind you that Acts, in Acts 9, verse 1 through 26, those two verses, it occurred over a period of three years, I believe. So that's what I'm presenting to you. So when the text says immediately, the Greek word, depending on the whole, it depends on that whole context when you find that, whether immediately means just that immediately, or it can mean then, you know, or, or, or the next thing, in, in the sense of a major thing, you, you know, in, in that aspect. So you have to think about that in that context as well. And obviously that's with any kind of a time frame, you know, immediately or, you know, I got up and did something. Well, I might have done something on my laptop real quick and I'm not recording, but the major event is that I went outside to do something. So that's what's recorded, okay? So that happens a lot in the text. Events are always record, they're not always recorded in chronological order. You will find that. That's in the old and the new, okay? And that's very important. But many things, uh, they are listed together in importance by the writer to make a point, whether that be the father or the writers of the, in, the new, uh, in the New Testament, okay? 
So they, you, especially with the, the four Gospels, you'll see Messiah did this, and it seems like, oh, he did healing and healing and healing and healing right after another. Well, the author's putting, grouping those together to get you to understand that he had the power to heal. They may not have happened in that exact uh, sequence, okay? So that happens a lot. So, uh, so be aware of that. So the grouping events, it's usually to show something deeper, okay? So we find that, we'll find that to be true here with Paul because he speaks uh, um, on what he did at this time, in this time frame that's recorded in Acts 9, but he speaks of it in Galatians. Yes? Oh, is it up there? Oh, it's not up there. Hold on one second. I'll bring us back to... It says it's sharing. No, let me... Okay. Anyhow, there was no slides to that part of the presentation. So... Okay, now let's see. All right, let's see. Something blinked here. Let me see if we can get us back. It's not showing. It's not showing a list of things to choose, Ward. Technology. So while I'm trying to get this, but that's always something to think about. So when you're reading the text, you know, and why I mentioned that too, a lot of people see, well, see, they said this and it's contradicting this and that. And it's like, no, you have to understand how to read what it's saying. Okay. I, I'm... And while Ward's going to come check this out, I listened to this one rabbi, and I thought it was very interesting what he stated, um, especially with um, like science in the Bible. So his point was you have to understand what book that you're reading, what genre of a book. For instance, I, I don't know if I mentioned this last week or not, but if you're reading a history book and all of a sudden there's poetry, Okay, it's like, okay, you're going to think, oh, the history's all wrong because you're reading poetry or, or what have you. So what he mentioned, if you look at the scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, the five, book, five books, right, the first five books, if you look at them as the genre being a guidebook, oh, it makes much, much more sense now. So you will have things out of order as far as how in sequences, but the point, again, wasn't, about it being specifically to history. There is history, there is poetry, there is various things that are in the scriptures. So when you view it that way, is it just not working? Or So it gives you a better insight. So bottom line, it might not talk about the dinosaurs, right? Because the point isn't, you can go out there and you can dig them up and find out the point isn't uh, about dinosaurs. The point is, the guide on how we get along. How do we get along with man? How we get along with our God? You know? And yes, then there's poetries and stories and some historical events that help us on that journey. So you can see, oh, by doing that, it makes much a better sense 
in that, you know. And usually, that hopefully that will shut up anyone who's like, oh, the Bible, or this, blah, blah, blah. Anyhow. So, okay. Ward may have got us going again. So, let's see. Okay. So, we're back at it now. And as you know, blah, 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 living inside.com, blah, 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 thumbs up, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Okay, so that brings us back to this point here that we're going to be looking at. We find this to be true because speaks uh, Paul, like I was saying, he speaks of um, this event that's from verse 1 to, 1 to 20, 26. He speaks of other things that happen in amongst there. Okay, so, and that's where I wanted to focus on. So, so it gives us a better idea with that, that framework. So one of the first things I'm going to present to you that Paul did, and we did touch upon it last week, um, what he did, he went to Arabia as a consequence to the revelation that he had just had with Messiah. Okay? So this idea of right away and straight away, I would say that was the first thing that he went and did. Okay? And this is based on, uh, again, I'll show you uh, Shaul, or Apostle Paul's uh, own recall of the events surrounding the meeting with Messiah on that road to Damascus, okay? So, in First Galatians, First Galatians, I'm going to really skip a little bit through here. It really opens up, uh, or it begins, Shaul, he says, I'm an... Uh, um, you know, I'm a witness, I'm an emissary for, for Messiah, for Elohim, right? Not from men, nor by a man, but by Yahshua the Messiah and Elohim the Father who raised him from the dead. This is typical Paul, how he introduced himself in, in any of his letters. So, and if we go down to verse 10, he goes on by speaking this. For do I now please men in their traditions or Elohim? Good to see you, brother. Um, so he's saying, do I please men in their traditions or do I please God? If I still please men, okay, this is what he's talking about here. If I still please men in their teachings and their doctrines, right, I should not be a servant of Messiah, and I make known to you, brothers, that the good news announced by me is not according to who? Not according to traditions and anything that man has, has done. I, I, for I do not receive it from man, nor was, it, nor was I taught it by men but through the revelation of Yahshua, the Messiah. This is pretty important. I'm mainly focusing on what is highlighted in red, okay? The revelation Paul had, who the Messiah is, and how he came to that understanding. Acts 9.20 says, You'll see it says, and immediately he proclaimed the Messiah in the congregations that he was the son of Elohim. And like I said, there was three years before he really started doing that. Okay? You may say, of course, you know, on the road, he saw that light, the voice, 
of Messiah himself. Well, yes, that is part of it. But I believe there is a little bit um, more to that in this three years specifically. There's more of a witness here, I think, for us when we look at it this way is too. Why I'm thinking it's more, I think we can get a lot of beneficial things out of this. His understanding is and will come from Elohim, okay? And what I mean by that, that is the very words of God. That's where he, he this is about what was written down, what Moses and the prophets. It's not about traditions or the doctrines or theologies of men. Galatians 1 continues, and I progress, and you can see what he's talking about here, what he's comparing. That's why I mentioned he said traditions, I'm adding doctrines and theologies. But this is the point Paul's trying to make. I progressed in Judaism beyond uh, many of my age and my race, being more exceedingly ardent for the traditions of my fathers, which would be, you know, oral traditions and the things and the doctrines set down. But when it pleased Elohim, who separated me from my mother's womb, this is Isaiah, he's kind of referencing, and called, uh, called me by his favor, his grace, to reveal his son to me, that I might uh, bring him that I might bring him the good news to the goyim or the nations, the Gentiles. Here it is. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. He's going along with this theme. It wasn't from man. I didn't consult with flesh and I didn't get down and talk to somebody and got the revelation. Not with Paul. He's, that's what he's saying. And I think it's a very important point that you'll see that we can incorporate this in our life. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. He did not get it from man. He was not taught by men this revelation. Now, he did consult the apostles in Jerusalem in chapter 9, and it seems that he did do... Uh, it seems that... And it seems like in 9, what we read, that's the first thing that he did. But it, it really isn't. But there's more to that, again, with this time frame of events that's going on. So it wasn't through the traditions that he came to faith in Messiah. It was through Elohim words. That is very special. Yes, I know Messiah talked to him. But it still wasn't fully you know, coming. And even Messiah, Yeshua said it, unless the Father draws him. What's that mean? I would present to you, okay, is that some big, kind of cool, big spiritual thing? Yes, but it's based on what was written before. That's how the Father draws us. Because he wrote, that's how Elohim draws us to him. It's through what has been written down. Now, if, we, if it is... If it becomes different than that, or the, to me the Torah, and that isn't part of that witnessing, then we can really get into a lot of problems. Because what that leads then, oh, the Spirit told me, right? And I know all you guys, see, the Spirit told me you can eat ham. It's clean now. 
Do you see what I'm getting at? Where you can use the Spirit as an excuse to do all kinds of things. That's why I'm emphasizing this revelation that came to Paul was from the very words that he was aware of and was taught. Yes, by man, but ultimately you're being taught by Elohim because they're his words and what he set down. Okay? So I want to make clear. So, so no different with Messiah's words. His words are to be proved. And Messiah said so. Don't look at the works or the things. Or, what's it Messiah said? What does this seem like to you? Just believe in Elohim. You don't have to believe in what I'm doing, but believe in Elohim. That is very... Messiah always pointed to the Father and his words by improve my actions of what I'm doing. Do you find sin in what I'm doing? Oh, it might not be according to your oral traditions or your doctrines or your theologies, but do you find sin in what I'm doing? Look at my dad and what he's telling me to do. Look at the text and what it says. Polly. And here I have one. So it was those same words that Paul understood and studied that caused him to persecute the followers of Messiah. It wasn't until the revelation that came when he had a personal encounter with the Most High that those words were brought to a fuller understanding and caused him to be transformed to understand them maybe with a different perspective than what he had. I, I, I do agree. But, um, but it was, or hopefully what I point out, it will be Elohim's words solely. And Paul was more into swaying into doctrines and the theologies of men that promoted what he was doing. That would be my argument there. Elohim's words are always true. And I'll, let me, as I go through, hopefully I can show you that. that. That, to me, what was going on in Paul's mind. Growing up in Judaism, I was the greatest in the Judaism. But what did he rely on? So, like I was saying, with Messiah's words, his words are to be proved. Messiah says so in so many different types of ways and forms. They are to be proven to be true, and they have been proven to be true. Everything that he has done, Yeshua. So how would Paul then prove it? I would say by testing if this all is true. He had this huge thing with Messiah on the road. How can he, can you test yourself? Right? I would imagine even Paul's aware of fallen messengers even can present themselves as messengers of light, right? The same way all of us should prove things. The same way all of us. That would be through, again, to me, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Torah and the Prophets. He even begins to quote Isaiah, like I was saying, but let's get back to this idea. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. So where did he turn? 
I believe he did what we all should do. Go to the source. And that would again be Elohim's words. And I'm going to show you, I believe he got shook up enough that he actually did that. Paul goes on in Galatians, neither did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were emissaries before me, those who knew Messiah before me, but I went to where? Arabia, and returned again to Damascus. And then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to learn from Peter. You see what I'm saying? Back in Acts 9, it seems like, bam, he saw the light, got baptized, and then he was on his way down instantly. But it didn't happen that way. And that's okay, and I think it's important that it didn't happen that way. And after three years, I went up to Jerusalem and learned from Peter and remained with him for 15 days. So, he, so that consulting came later. And I saw no other of the emissaries except Yaakov, the brother of the master. And what I write, uh, and what I write to you, see before Elohim, I do not lie. Then I went into the districts of Syria in Kilkata, I think. I'm sorry if I pronounced it wrong. And I was not known by sight by the assemblies of the Jews which were in Messiah. So all those, that sect that he was out to take, after three years, they didn't know him by sight, but they feared this guy and some of the things that he was doing. But they were hearing only that one who persecuted us now brings as good news the belief which he once ravaged. So, Arabia is where I believe he went first, receiving, after receiving his sight back. I asked last week, what's in Arabia? What would be of interest in Arabia for him? And Mike's not here because I was going to ask him, say what you said. Do you guys remember what he said? Mount Sinai, Mount Hurub is in Arabia. Now that should start bringing up a whole lot of things for us. He's going to consult, I would say, with Elohim at the mountain. And it's strange, it all goes back to the mountain. I'm going to introduce this word. Kol damama daka. Okay? What that means is still, small voice, a gentle whisper, a sound of thin silence. I submit to you, Paul is going to think in that silence of what just happened to him. And he's not going to rely. Well, he might start off with some of his traditions that he learned but I think he's going to get to the core, especially being at Mount Sinai. No traditions were given at Mount Sinai, only the words of Elohim. So he's going by himself. 
Messiah is recorded doing this often. And what I mean, going out by himself, being with the Father, being alone. And I would say to you, we should follow this same pattern because we can do this today. I'm not suggesting that we can all go to Mount Arabia, in Arabia, to the mountain. But yet, we can in some ways. Because we got what was recorded there. So we can go to that mountain, because we can go to that mountain because what it stands for. And be alone there, and what it stands for. So what would that look like today? It's getting out your Bible and looking at the words of Elohim. Especially in this day and age, how many things are fighting for your attention? You got iPhones, you got internet, you got this out there, billboards, everything. All kinds of things. Shut it out. So, This mountain is the giving of the law. The words Elohim, the words of Elohim that Moses received. The other things that should come to our mind when we think of this mountain, and I believe that's what he was doing. Yes, other people say, oh, he just went down to Arabia be alone. Yeah, yeah, he did. But I would say, and then some said, oh, he went to Petra. There's evidence that he actually did go to Petra because I think one of the kings of Arabia was seeking to speak with Paul later. But he went to the mountain. Why else would you mention Arabia? Especially Paul says, you know, Mount Sinai in Arabia. That is the core here. So I'm running with that, and there's plenty of other people out there understand that to be the, the, the case too. And if it's not, we're going to have an awesome study still with the things that we can learn at the mountain. Okay? And then compare to see, wow, is that what Paul was doing? Testing the Spirit. Seeing that this is from Elohim, what I just experienced. So at this mountain, here is where the foundation for life is written down. We have the promises of the one like Moses announced here in this general type place. So what we have here then is after the blood of the Lamb is accepted, this is the destination. That's for today, for sure. After you accept Jesus, Yeshua is your Lord, your Savior, your next destination is get to know your God, and you have to know his words. That's going to the mountain. That's the pattern. That's the pattern. There is no other pattern that I see that so should be emphasized. So again, that's for then, and it's for now. Paul is going back to his Hebrew roots. Is he not? He's going back to his Hebrew roots. Paul, who is a Hebrew, but he's going back to the roots. He's going back to the source where everything came from. The place, the promise given to Abraham from Elohim, all 
comes together in a greater understanding at Mount Sinai. These are things to take into account for. Leaving Egypt, the blood of the Lamb, to the mountain, for what? Eternal instructions on the kingdom of God. So, we have all we need for the Spirit to lead us, to prove the witness of Messiah, Paul, or anyone else for that matter. If they do not speak according to the Torah and the prophets, how does it say? There's no light in them. So, I want to go back to this still, small voice. Who else went to the mountain to consult with the Elohim of Israel. Yell it out if you think of somebody. There was somebody else that was very important went there. Elijah. Elijah went there. So what I want to do here, what are some of the parallels here, examples for us to examine, and is there's patterns here for us today even, in our walk. And I would say, yes, there is, and that's why I want to go there. Now, maybe this is just some things that we take note of, okay, and we put it on a shelf, and we wait for further enlightenment in our studies. Happens to me all the time. I'll be reading something, and I don't know how this fits here, but it's, this is interesting. Something says this is really interesting. I'll put it off to the side, and then maybe a year later, wow, there it is. It came more together for me. Okay, so it might be like that, but I think there is some things, at least for us right now and today, that we can gather. So what we're going to do is let's look at the event of Elijah at the mountain. This happens in 1 Kings 19. Now keep in mind, again, we're, oh yes, we are talking about Paul. Paul would have been quite aware of this story. All right? Because, yes, he grew up in Judaism with the traditions of men and stuff, but he also knew the Torah very, very good. And there's the emphasis in his life. And it should be in our life as well, too. So, in 1 Kings... Uh, uh, Ahab re reported to Jezebel all that Eliahu had done, also how he slew all the prophets of Baal with the sword, and then Jezebel sent messengers to Eliahu or Elijah, saying she was going to kill him, and guess what? Elijah feared and rose up, and he ran for his life. For the context, this is just right after Mount Carmel, the showdown between with the, the prophets of Baal and the God of Israel, okay? So that's just now happened. And all of a sudden, Elijah says, someone's going to have to kill me. I'm heading out. And you know what's so funny? This is great because just in that idea, a lot of us will be amped on Shabbat, reading about our God and how he's done great things for us. And we look at it. And then we get out in the world and so many times, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, my heart's like, oh my gosh, i got to make the bills. I gotta All these things come down. When I just was aware that my God can do anything, and then all of a sudden, I'm scared. 
So, and he rose up and he ate. This is Elijah heading out. And he drank and he went in the strength of, uh, of that food for 40 days, 40 nights, as far as where? Hurub, the mountain of Elohim. Same place in Arabia. And there he went into a cave and spent the night there. And see, the word of Yahuwah came to him and said to him, Why are you, <laughs> what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? And he says, I have been very zealous or jealous for the Elohim of hosts. The children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They have thrown down your altars. They have slain your prophets with the sword. And I am left alone. And they seek my life to take it. Parallel. Paul was zealous, was he not? He was zealous. He was so zealous, there was a particular sect that was forsaking what? The covenant of God. This sect. He was going to help Elohim out, like Paul pointed out. He was going to help Elohim out. Get rid of these infidels, right? Set them straight. Ultimately, do a favor for God, maybe. Paul mentions about that before later on. Because after all, Paul, he had the truth. He was out to teach others how they were wrong how they were wrong in following Torah. This might start hitting home for us. He pronounced the name right, and he was going to make sure these guys didn't. <laughs> right? He had the right calendar. They didn't. This is based on this zealousness that can get in any one of us. How many times have you heard the King James Version? That's what Paul used, and he was out to make sure that's the only version it's going to be used. Because it's the only one that has been authorized. No, that's not what Paul was thinking, but I'm showing you how much you can be zealous for the things of Elohim and actually start to be against that whole part that we should do. We always have to be on guard on these things. As we go further into Kings, Elijah. And he said, go out and stand on the mountain before Yahweh and see Yahweh pass by and a great, strong, mighty wind tearing the mountains and breaking the rocks of peace before Yahweh. So, in short, Yahweh was not in the wind. That's a kind of strange one there. And after the wind, the earthquake, Yahweh was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, right? Yahweh was not in the fire. Here it is. And after the fire, that still, small voice. This was from the mountain. 
Because what happened at the mountain when the Israelites came out? Fire, smoke, all kinds of whatever. But what was the most important thing that happened at the mountain? It was the voice of the Most High speaking. But anyhow, it came to be when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face. Who's that sound like? In a cave on the mountain as Yahuwah passed by. Mighty El El Moses. Same thing. So we got to bring Moses into our picture at this mountain for sure. And he wrapped, uh, wrapped his face in the ro- robe and went out and stood in the cave opening and see, a voice came to him and said this, what are you doing here, Elijah? I pondered this. What? what? Then it hit me. What are you doing, Ralphie? Any of you, put your name in there. Say, what am I doing? What are you doing? You have the God of the Most High. Do I not have it in control? Should you just be worrying about yourself and the things I've said? Maybe this is one way that we should see. Maybe Elijah was kind of being reproved here. I'm zealous for you. Well, what are you doing? Go out and do the things I've asked you to do. What are you, why are you here? I don't know. So Paul was very familiar with the prophet Elijah and the mountain as well. So if you start thinking about the mountain, Moses and Elijah, do you think maybe all of a sudden in Paul's mind, because he reads, he's read his Bible, and all of us should be on a continual base reading. Even if you don't understand everything, read it. Because I would bet at this point, because he went down to Arabia, went to the mountain, Elijah's floating around his head, Moses is floating around his head, God's word is floating around his head, and all of a sudden, maybe, maybe, possibly, Paul is thinking about Malachi is coming to his mind. The prophet and what the Malachi prophets said. The last of the prophets that really was heard of at the time of Paul. Malachi says this, Remember the Torah of Moses, my servant. What are you doing here? Remember the Torah of Moses, my servant, which I have commanded him in Horeb. For all Israel, laws and right rulings, see, I am sending you... a." Elijah the prophet before the coming and great and awesome day of Yahuwah and he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers and that's the, to me the patriarchs Abraham, Isaac and Jacob least I come and smite the earth with utter destruction so is some way now maybe Paul with all that's going on that spirit that Elijah has building up inside of him. Because after all, he did return, and he had a lot to say about the God of Israel and the Messiah. And it goes on after... This voice again, Elijah hears. And he said, I have been very zealous, jealous for 
Yahweh Elohim of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken their covenant. I think this is twice he keeps saying this. They have thrown down their altars and they have slain the prophets with the sword and I am left alone and they seek my life to take it. Sounds like Yahweh, okay, but what are you doing here? Okay, I have a word, I have a word for you, brother <laughs> or son, right? It's like, yeah, that, that, that's nice, Elijah. I'm glad. Keep that up, right? And Yahweh said to him, go, return. I have something for you to do. Return your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and you shall go and go in and anoint Hazael as sovereign over Aram. So it's like he kind of just, God kind of maybe glazed over Elijah's complaint, did he? Okay. Okay, I got something for you. Now we, you know, how many times we, all of us, oh, complaining, God, I need this, this. And then it's like, nice, continue doing what I'm asking you to do. Okay? Grow up sometimes, maybe our Father's telling us. So, whoops, I got to go back. So, Paul then, I would say, um, let me say this, Elijah was given a mission here, coming to the mountain, right? He had other missions, but he got to the mountain, and it seems like, okay, I still got more for you to do. Go do it. Like Paul, Paul returns to Damascus too after going to Arabia. You'll see that. Well, we just said that. So Paul, like Elijah, is getting some clarity maybe. Because another thing, we all can be so self-absorbed, can we not? We have the same words of Elohim for the Spirit to do the same in us, or the same for us and in us. Take the time to listen to that thin voice. Again, Messiah did this so often, by, went by himself up to the mountain. Like I was saying, this world desires your attention. TV, phone, internet, politics. And I want to even add, even teachings. Even teachings of the Bible, right? Sometimes those are good. I'm not saying they're not. But sometimes you and your Bible personally, not, and not even, you know, Shut me off sometimes. Shut Mark off sometimes. You go and be with the Father with his words. Because even that can be a distraction of that thin voice trying to, him trying to help us where we're at. Take the time to be alone. Elijah got perspective from Elohim, and when he was, then he was given this mission. Take 
into consideration. Something like this may have happened to Shaul here in Arabia at the mountain of Elohim. Maybe, maybe not. But he's sure that on Damascus it kind of changed him. But when he went down to Arabia and came back, he was surely changed. Interesting story. So I would say Shaul did not immediately change overnight. It took like three years. I believe he allowed the Spirit to guide him into all truth, like all of us should do. Just don't accept any new doctrine and win. Test it. I'm going to tell you something. When this Hebrew roots or whatever this is, I wasn't on board right away. It took me a little bit searching and whatever. It wasn't like all night, oh, you know, and I'm not saying that it's wrong if you come to the revelation of Shabbat and you instantly did it. For me, it was a gradual thing because just how I'm wired, I wanted to see if these things are true. Okay? Again, allow the Spirit to guide you into all truth because that's one of the things the Spirit does. And you have to allow Him to guide you into all truth. And if the Spirit's not taking you back to the Old Testament, then you're not allowing the Spirit to do its job and you're rejecting the set-apart Spirit, maybe. I don't know. There's many ways you can think of that. So I would say, did Paul let that thin voice from the Scriptures to be heard, finally? Not the traditions of man, but in Elohim's words. That's exactly where all of us need to be. Again, pure speculation on my part, but let's speculate on what was going through the mind of Saul, if you don't mind, a little bit more here in Arabia. And I'm basing this on patterns and, uh, and parallels for us to keep in mind even today. Because these are the other things that happen at Mount Sinai that we, I think, are important to know in our walk today. Why are we doing the things that we're doing? Moses and Elijah both climbed Mount Sinai. We know that. Again, did Paul go to Arabia to do the same thing? Moses and Elijah both heard Elohim speak. Did Saul hear an inner voice, get a clear revelation that Yahshua is the son of Elohim? Because he said he proved it. Moses and Elijah have roles to play in the end times. Okay? Elijah will come before Messiah, and the Messiah will come as the prophet like Moses. This is interesting. I come across this. Jewish, Jewish sages even pairs Moses and Elijah as preludes to Messiah. Let me read you this. The, and I would believe Paul would have known this or understood this, right? Maybe that's why, again, why he went to the mountain. The Holy One, blessed be he, said to Moses, Moses, by your life, just as you have given your soul for Israel, 
in this world, so in the future to come, when I bring them the prophet Elijah, the two of you will come, will come as one. That's interesting. I would say they came as one. Because in Yeshua is the power of Elijah. In Yeshua is the one like Moses that's been promised. So it's not a far-fetched idea from Judaism that even Paul would have been aware of. Yes, Barry. Yes, please. When they appeared on the mountain together, wouldn't that be as one also? It, perfect, perfect. Yes, it would be. And that's exactly what I'd like to close with today. Moses, who died, and Elijah, who was taken, did not die, so to speak, right? Yahshua died and then rose, and then he was ascended, taken to the heavens. Like Barry's pointing out, Moses and Elijah both appeared with Yahshua, the Mount of Transfiguration. And I would say, I would even go further and say, they appeared where? They appeared in the Promised Land. Moses never got to go into the Promised Land. But at the end of the day, Yahshua, Elijah, and Moses in the Promised Land, and another way to think of that, they were in the kingdom. So I will leave you with that idea of looking why I believe Paul went to Arabia. Father Yahweh, great and mighty you are, there is none like you. Father, we thank you for your faithful words and your direction in our lives. And, and as you know, Father, we all need your desperate help. We thank you again for your love and your mercy that you continually show for us. Amen. Shabbat Shalom, everyone, and those online, and we'll be back and continue in the, in the book of uh, Acts. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>